Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning in to the B&E Podcast. I'm Evan. This is Brandon over here. You can't you can't see it because you're listening to this, but I'm pointing over to Brandon. This is Brandon, and uh, we're doing our not so serious thing today with no topic, no uh, no idea really of what's going on. I mean, you were sharing something that you you feel very compelled to share uh, today. We'll we'll get into that at some point, but uh, yeah, here we are. We're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna stumble upon some sort of uh, artistry, industry, craft, and creation, and and business, and all of this kind of loveliness, and and try and strike that balance. And let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so I guess I don't know. Maybe I'll start talking about what's been going on recently. Sure. Yeah. All right. So I've been reading a. I've been reading this book. Actually, it's called it's called Drive. And it's, it's an awesome book and I really like highly recommend it to, uh, to everybody. It's by Daniel H. Pink. And it's basically all about remodeling the way that we think about motivation. So the reason why this is, it's been super valuable. It's actually been, I would, I would even say that for me, it's been personally a life changing book. Mm. It's been monumental for me because I went through uh, major transition. I've talked about a lot on the podcast. I went through kind of a depression. Um, you know, I was feeling very lost. I, I, you know, a lot of the people who were my close friends, um, were not my close friends. Uh, the show that I was doing really kind of seemed to almost fall apart. It didn't quite fall apart, but nearly did, you know, and I basically developed social anxiety. I developed social anxiety. I didn't feel like talking to people and, you know, I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know who a real friend was. You know, I, I started to doubt everything and there was just whatever, there's a bunch of events that all occurred at all at once. And so I went through this really like dark and hard time. And as I went through that dark, hard valley of trying to like reassess my life and figure out who I was and who people were to me, um, you know, I slowly started to come back out of my shell, but I kind of hermited really for like a year. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, you know, you know me, like when I was, you know, before that, I mean, I was, kind of the, I throw these big parties and I'd kind of be like the center of attention and all oh, yeah. of this. And then after that happened, I basically became kind of almost a wallflower. Like I totally shifted gears and I found it very difficult to be in front of people. Yeah. Obviously pretty hard when you're like an actor and a producer and you're trying to lead things, right. And running a business with, you know, hundreds of people. And so, um, this was a hard time, but I came through that depression. I came through that hard time. You know, I started to collect really amazing people in my life, building really genuine and real friendships. They've helped me a lot. I've kind of come back out of my shell. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of charismatic and outgoing again, um, but from a new place. And so I've come through this valley and what I found was I came through it and I thought, okay, well now that I'm through that dark period, now I can just kind of start doing my life again, right? I can be driven to do the goals I was driven to do before. Yeah. And what ended up happening was I, I've been feeling, and, and this has been kind of going on for me for the last, really the last kind of few years, really, it's been this, you know, kind of spinning my wheels, you know, things are pretty good. 
I got amazing people around in my life. My career is kind of doing pretty well. You know, things are happening. I mean, I should be really happy, but I don't have that motivation and that drive. And I still have these little um, bits of social anxiety that creep up, right? And so yeah. I've been trying to deal with that. And a friend of mine recommended this book, Drive. He said, you know, it's about motivation and, um, you know, maybe it'll help, you know? And yeah. so I read it and it totally shifted my perspective. And I think what I ultimately realized through it was, you know, I might've been kind of ego driven before everything kind of happened. I had kind of this massive humility shift, yeah. but like what, what I was doing really well was I was contributing. I was helping out a lot of people. My aims were to help my friends have careers in film to make an impact. I started this business cause I really truly believe people should be making films, but because I got down and I got depressed, I kind of lost I kind of lost my willingness to kind of go out and connect with people, right. which kind of made me lose my behavior of contribution. And then I lost purpose. And then as I lost purpose, I lost motivation. This book helped me realize that if I want to get that drive again, if I want to get that passion and the desire, this is a more simplistic way to put it, that I need to think not so much about what I'm going to get out of what I do, but what I'm actually going to give if I do it mm -hmm. and, and how it's going to affect people and, and the change it's going to make and the shift it's going to make. And I, I got to tell you, like this little turn and, and of course many other things in the book, but this turn has totally reframed so much of why I do what I do. And it's also helped me to kind of see that I need to let go of past pain and past hurt and the stories of the past and maybe the negative things that some people did in my life right. and forgive them and move on, which kind of moved me into this forgiveness exercise and so on. And the whole thing's been snowballing in this really wonderful way. So, um, you know, I really highly recommend this book, but that's something I kind of want to talk about because it's, it's, you know, this has been a, this has been a journey. Yeah. And this is kind of a really, I feel like a turning point in my life because now I'm realizing that, um, I can find my purpose again, but I can come at it with much more humility and I can come at it from a place of really seeing what I can give and really valuing that I make an impact on other people. Because I think the hardest part about being depressed, the hardest part about being down is everything seems pointless and you just don't feel like you matter. And mm -hmm. you don't think anybody cares and you don't think it would make a difference if you're around. And that's why I think when people get really depressed, they start thinking about suicide and things like that because they don't see the impact they're having on other people's lives. Yeah. They lose total sight of that. And, and I've talked to lots of people about it since, but that definitely happened for me. And I was walking around, I was super blue and super lonely and super confused. And then, you know, things shifted, but they didn't necessarily, once things got good, they didn't necessarily like all get fixed. It was like, there was this aftermath, this kind of residue that was like left over from being depressed, even though I feel really good. And I feel, you know, I get up and I, and I, and I'm in a great situation in life. I, I was lacking this purpose and this drive. Yeah. And so this book has really kind of reframed my mind and helped me shift a lot. And I, and I found also, and it's not so much in this book, but I discovered it, that forgiveness is a huge part of letting go of the past so that you can actually have the kind of future you want to have, mm. which was one of the biggest things that was holding you back and really kind of robbing the present. Yeah. You know, because Absolutely. I had these wounds, I had this hurt and it wasn't quite dealt with. Yeah. And so that was, um, you know, even though I was feeling good for the most part, you know, 90% of the day, 
there was like, or 90% of the time, there was this little bit and just had its hooks in me. And so basically the forgiveness exercise I found was like a great way to like kind of unhook myself. And, um, you know, I'm working my way through the process. I've done a lot of it so far, but, uh, it's, it's been incredible. So that's kind of what's been going on for me. And I mean, I, that is, it is a pretty big thing. That's why I wanted to share it because, you know, and I'd like to get more into it as we go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I don't know if you have any Excellent. comments on that or if you... Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, I just think it's, it's interesting in regards to, like, we don't, <laughs> like, life is just so full of surprises and we just, we never know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, you know, you have, uh, it's interesting with something like, like depression or, you know, when you're feeling at least if you prefer it, you know, kind of down and out for a while. And when you're in that place and it's, you know, you take the victory of just feeling like you can just be back out in the world again, you know, and sometimes it's not always a big charge back out into the world. It's just like a gentle, like, you know, wave on the street or something, (laughs) you know, metaphorically speaking. Um, and so it's just like, it's just kind of like finding your legs again in many ways coming out of something like that. It's just finding your legs again, you know, breathing again, like just learning, like, you know, really learning how to just be going back to crawling, you know, and, and working your way back up. And eventually you hit a point where you're like, okay, you know, I've been walking around, you walk here. Now you kind of want to stretch your legs a little bit more. You want to see what's, what's going on. I mean, it's just sort of a natural part of our, you know, where we are. And then, and then you're at a place where now you're at least a little bit stronger, you know, than you were before, because before you couldn't just be like, yeah, I'm coming charging out. I'm motivated. I'm, you know, I feel purposeful and blah, blah. I mean, maybe for some people that happens, but I would say for most, it's probably not the case. You come out of a depression and it's kind of like just the fog lifting and, and just learning a few things. It's like you're going through like rehabilitation for a little while. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like go for drinks with a, go for a drink with a friend, you know, take a walk in the park, you know, do, do a couple of like basic things and get yourself in, in, just like a little bit of momentum, a little bit of a flow to you. Um, but yeah, then, then the natural thing is like, you want to start extending yourself because we're capable of so much more. Right. And, uh, and so now that you've got a little bit of strength back, you know, some, some blood's coursing through and some things, and there's like a restlessness that starts to creep in. It's just like, Hey, you know, like, I think we can, we can go further. I think we can push ourselves. And, but once you do that, the thing is like, once you, um, once you want to push yourself, uh, that's when some of your old hauntings come back Yes, a little bit. Right. But now you've got to deal with it, but at least now you've got the, the ability, the will to be able to, to go through it more yeah. than you, you would before. Um, my fiance, she was saying this thing, um, and she, and she works with some of her clients in this way, but she, uh, she says, well, what, whatever the thing is you want, declare, declare what it is that you want. Like say it out loud, because as soon as you do, all of the things that are in your way are going to come up. 
Mm. Like that, like all of your doubts and all of your, you know, your shit is going to come out. Right. That's so true. Yeah. Like you just like, just say anything, say anything that you, that you want in your life that you really, you know, believe that you want. And it, it, it really does. Like your stuff just comes, comes right up. Like all of the reasons why you can't have it or you won't, you won't make it there and, and whatnot. That's all your shit. You know, there's not necessarily reality to it. You know, that's the other thing that's interesting about it. It's like, there's not necessarily a real reality to what those doubts and fears are. Yeah, that's true. You know, the thing is, you know, I'm realizing is that fear and freedom are opposites. Like you are, if you're scared, you're not free. And if you're free, you're not scared. And the, the thing is, is that we have fears and fears are they're, they're scary. I mean, they're, they're difficult. They're things that we don't want to go to words. I mean, everything in our body, when we feel fear goes, get away from that. That's bad. That's dangerous. Yeah. Run. Right. So social anxiety for me, just for example, was a fear, right? Cause I started to fear that, um, you know, I started to fear that, uh, I don't know, all sorts of stuff that, because someone who I really cared about said a bunch of bad shit about me behind my back. That was, in my opinion, not really true, mm. you know? And also, even if it was, regardless, the way they went about it, the, 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 the behavior they exhibited, the, the way they did it showed to me that they didn't really care so much about me. Yeah. Is that, you know, it, it created an anxiety. So then I started to go, well, what can I tell anybody? can I tell anybody how I'm really feeling? And I, you know, when, before I got into kind of that depressed place, cause I, I kind of been into it a little bit when I was younger, but this one was kind of severe. This was like, you know, and when I say severe, it was just like, like, I didn't want to leave my place. And for days I wouldn't, you know, yeah. I was like, I went from being like out there in the world all the time to being like a shut in. And so I developed these fears and they were, you know, they were not, uh, didn't necessarily make a lot of sense, you know, in hindsight, but to me at the time they did. And so I was scared to share how I felt. I didn't want to tell people I was depressed because I was like, well, if I tell them I'm depressed, they're going to judge me. And then it's going to get out that I'm depressed. And then like, if I start telling people I'm depressed, you know, then like my business and my career will fail because now it's like, I'm (laughs) fuck, I don't know, whatever. So the fear just has this whole spiral, right? It just perpetuates itself. So there's no freedom. There's no freedom anymore, right? Cause you're not free. I'm not free anymore to go out and just talk to people. And it makes it worse because the more you give into the free, the fear, the more you suppress the feeling, the more you hide away. Yeah. Right. And, and so the more, and the more stuff you build on top of it and the more, and then when it comes time to deal with it, you've got, you kind of got more that you've got to weed through. Yeah. You know, it's like the surface stuff goes pretty quickly, at least in my experience, it's like the surface stuff goes pretty quickly and you're like, Oh, that's great. And then you get further and further into it and you go, Oh, as you start to get towards like the heart of what's, what's really going on. Totally. Well, and you know, the thing is, is fear and, and freedom are very much related to motivation because we did a podcast earlier and you know, we were a few of them and we were talking about how motivation is always there. You know, motivation is, is not something that you have or don't have. It's like you're either motivated to stay inside and sleep, or you're motivated to watch TV, or you're motivated to, you know, call those people and and make a career or get out there in the world and date or whatever it is, right? But you're always motivated. Sometimes it's just, we want to be motivated this way, but we're highly motivated that way. 
And we just do not know how to take that powerful motivation and shift it to something like this. And like when you're depressed, it's like turning a ship. Yeah. And it's just, it, you can't, you know, you don't just turn the wheel and it's over. It's not like a yeah. little jet ski. It's like a fucking tanker and it's going to go slowly, slowly, slowly over until you can finally start to direct it. So you got to like take the motivation you have and kind of work with that. And it kind of sucks because you can't get anywhere too quick. Yeah. But it, what I've been learning is that as long as I'm turning in the right direction, as long as I'm turning in the direction I want just yeah. a little, I'm winning. Cause that's kind of how, you know, it needs to yeah. go. Right. And oftentimes too, it's like, I like your, your analogy of like, you know, the big ship or like the tank or something turning it because it's like, it feels so hard at first and like, and like so slow. But the thing is, is that like with, with a big ship or something like that, it's really slow at first. And then suddenly it happens really quickly. Yeah. And it's like, once that momentum starts to carry through, and it's just like, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, 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 yeah. <laughs> You know, and that's usually how, like, you end up facing your fears or it's like, it's happening very quickly and very suddenly. And then it's over. Right. You're like, oh, I've, I've turned. <laughs> <laughs> typically yeah. how fear is too. Once it's been faced, once you go through it, you're just like, it's you're like, oh yeah. Like, like it's kind of almost anticlimactic in many ways, like once you've gone through it and then there's kind of the elation of having faced it. Like I've been doing that recently with, um, with recording music and stuff, you know, like putting myself in front of other musicians who are recording and who I'm just like, Oh my God, these people are, they know more than me and they're better than me and they're more talented than me. You know, all this kind of shit, all, like all of these fears coming up. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, but it's been, it's been an incredibly invigorating experience especially like going into something that, um, you're not necessarily familiar with so much <laughs> down the wrong pipe, down the wrong pipe. <laughs> Good beer though. Right, yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Um, Carry on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and this is something that I was thinking about. I'm like, you know, I think every artist out there, it's like, try taking on like, and really, really trying out like not just sort of like dabble, really try an art form you're not familiar with. Yeah. Really like try like really investing <clears throat> yourself. It's not that making like playing an instrument was something I was familiar with, but like recording music with other people and like doing like a certain level of it was something I was comple- completely unfamiliar with. And, uh, it's so interesting cause I've learned that really art and creativity in that process is actually, it's, it's pretty much the same. Mm. Technically what you're doing is different. The expression of what you're doing is different, but the core of it is the underlying core of it is exactly the same. Mm. Um, which was a fascinating process, but I've been learning things just by having something you just maybe get different glimpses at the process and how it might apply to what you more so do like in your own craft or whatever. So it's like, I'm, I'm getting sort of new insights for myself as like, as a writer and as an actor and even as a teacher, uh, to be like, Oh, like, cool. Like this is, this applies through so many, in so many different ways or, um, 
but just with this, this in particular of facing a fear with, with doing it, like it was uncomfortable at first. And there were things that it was just like, I was resisting. I wanted, like, I wanted to run. I just like, no, like, I don't want to do this. You know, like, I don't want to do this. Like, it's like, I'm like, this is going to be shit and blah, blah, blah. Like all my, (laughs) my stuff is coming up. Um, but then just like soldiering on, right. Powering through it. And as a result, there's this song that is now recorded, which I'm actually quite proud of. Um, and is it perfect? No, I've made, I made some mistakes, but they were, I didn't realize there were mistakes until, until after having done it, right. you know, and, and now learning from it. And it's been so awesome just because it's like, Oh, like it's like you were saying with fear, it's you, you get through it to the other side and you go, Oh, I don't really know what I was afraid of really. You yeah. know, it's, um, it, it's interesting. I've been, uh, reading back through, a. Uh, uh, well, not, I shouldn't say back through, I never finished reading the entire text, but A Course in Miracles, which is pretty heavy text, but some pretty interesting philosophy in it. Um, and there was like this passage that was all about like fear and, and our guilt and all of this, you know, you could use this analogy for just about any of sort of like our, our dark, but they're like, he was saying like, think of it as like a big, like, the like sky full of like dark clouds, you know, that like you look at it and it looks like a, like a big impenetrable wall. It looks like a mountain. But if you were to reach out to touch it, you would be holding nothing. Hmm. Right. Like it's all just a, it's all just a big act. You know, our fears are just a big act. It's just a big illusion that we have going on. And if you actually just cut through it, you just realize you just cut right through it and, and the sun's shining up above. Right. Right. That's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, but it's like, yeah, it looks from when you look at it, it looks like something that's just like, you know, big and foreboding and solid. Yeah. If you didn't know better. Right. Well, that's, you know, that, and I think the thing is, is with, with fear, it's, I don't think anyone should ever make themselves wrong for being scared or feeling fear. Oh no, you know, not like, at all. I think that, you know, I think a lot of our, our fears are nonsense, but in spite of them being nonsense, you don't have to go run out and be like, okay, well I'm going to be fearless and I'm just going to be stupid because some fears are legitimate. What's hard is, is I think when we start facing our fears it is hard to tell the difference between a legitimate fear and a false fear. And right. even though 99% of them are probably false fears that, that have no grounds and they're like a cloud. And if you put your hand in them, there would be nothing, but there is that like small percentage of actual things that are dangerous. Yeah. But the thing is, is that most things that are actually dangerous. You know, we, we kind of know they're dangerous. Like, you know, uh, if you're going to go and, and jump off a cliff, you know, into water or something, or you're going to hang out near the edge of a height, or, you know, you're going to go walking through the jungle, like the Amazon, like, or whatever, and like touch a spider with a red mark on it. You know, there's kind of, you know, dangerous things in the world. Right. But for the most part, we're not facing that like social constructed fears, like 99.99% of the time are totally bullshit. Yeah. But at the same time, there is that small percentage that, you know, 
there are people out there that, you know, in, in, and this is, you know, I like to, I like to think the best of everybody. There are people out there that are up to no good. They're up to no good. And they're in a, they're in a dark place and they're willing to be destructive to get what they want. And, you know, they, they, they are not necessarily in a, in a place where you can trust them. Like if Mm -hmm. you were to give them your money or give them access to your bank account or something, they might steal it all because that's where they're at. And that's a reality that we face in the world. Yeah. But, but even though that's there, the fact that, you know, you, you, you just gotta, you know, you push yourself out gently, you know, you go out there. Like what I started doing is I wasn't talking to anybody. I was hiding in my place the whole time. So I started this exercise where I just call someone every day. I call them and I just say, Hey, I was thinking about you. I want to talk or whatever. Most everybody would be like, yeah, I'm ready to talk. Most people were like, why don't you call me sooner? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it started to get me out of my shell a little bit. I started to do little things, but I wasn't yeah. necessarily ready to go out to an event and be like, okay, let's party. And I'll be like the guy. Well, yeah. You I know? mean, it's like you work, your work up to these things, like, you know, fear of like, you're saying doing like a cliff jump or something, you know, maybe you've never gone cliff jumping before in your life, something you always want to do. Maybe you don't start at the one that's, you know, like 40 feet high. You know, you start out, like start jumping from, you know, six feet high Yeah. and you work up a little bit. You jump, you know, because it is, it's silly to jump from that high. If you've never done it before, you know, there's, there's, you, you build yourself up to a certain point. Nobody ever said you had to jump from the top right away. Yeah. You know, I think we tell ourselves sometimes that we, that we do. It's like, you don't, you know, do a little jump. It might seem stupid to you. You might feel embarrassed doing it, but that's all right. Like that's, that's, you have to go through that, through those stages and it's a smart thing to do. But the thing is like with fears, like to cut through what's real, what isn't, I mean, basically like fears to take into consideration certainly are ones that are going to literally put your life, might put your life in danger, Mm -hmm. your physical life in danger. Um, or you could, um, seriously injure yourself. Like a lot of like basic, like physical stuff. These are fears that you should pay attention to. Mm -hmm. It's like, is like, could you actually seriously get yourself hurt? And then that's just like, okay, so be smart about what is either like, don't do it. Or if you do it, be smart, jump from the, jump from the six foot cliff first, right? Get used to doing that. And then jump from like 15 feet, you know, get used to doing that. Um, but basically, or, or, or a fear, because like there, I'll throw this one into it as well, is like, if it's something that could actually like take the roof, uh, like out from like over your head, you know, like this could actually like, <laughs> like, like, finan- your, yeah, like, you could like, this could lose you could all find, your resources. You could lose all your resources. You could be financially ruined. I mean, money is not everything, but it does help you to sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, <laughs> well, resources, if you go back in time, like if you go back to, you know, cave band, cave woman period, right? Resources, they might not have money, but resources were what money was. I mean, yeah. you know, if you run out of food, you know, now you got to hunt, otherwise you're going to starve to death. You know what I mean? Or you got to go pick some berries. You got to do something. So, you know, you, you kind of stay on that, right? Yeah. And you don't, and you, and you're careful. Also the, 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 maybe the shelter you've built or the yeah. weapons you've created or whatever, like 
you know, in some ways you, you, you make sure to protect your stuff because, yeah. you know, I mean, we live in a world where there's, there's, you know, thieves. I mean, that's a re- real thing. Like when I, yeah. when I walk out of my place, you know, I, I lock my door. Yeah. Well, probably no one's going to come in my place and steal my shit. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. But I do it anyway as a safety measure, because when I leave, I, at least it's a little bit harder for them to get into my place. If they really wanted to, they probably could figure it out. But like, it's a little harder for it to happen. And so like, there are certain fears that are like, okay, well take precaution. That's yeah. basically, I think it's basically what you're saying. It's like, yeah, take, take precaution. precaution. Like if it doesn't mean that you can't leave your house yeah. now because you're worried someone's going to rob it. Yeah. But lock your door. You know, it's like, and, and that's kind of the six foot jump. It's like the little, it's the little yeah. things. Be you know? smart. Like if this has the potential to kind of like ruin you financially, then be very smart. Do your due diligence on whatever this is that you're about to embark. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying just like, you know, be aware of, of what these things are. This is where fear it is a good thing. Yeah. You know, fear just asks us just like, Hey, just take a second. Think about this, you know, make sure you're, you know, you're making the decision you want to be making. If it isn't any, if, if your fears aren't about this, if it's not going to ruin you, if it's not going to actually, you know, if it's not going to bring you any physical harm, if it's not going to, you're not going to die doing this, you're not going to be financially or whatever ruined by whatever this is, then your fear is probably bullshit. Right. And now with that, I want to say this because like, I, I'm not, I don't want to say that to sound discompassionate. It's like your fears are bullshit. So get over <laughs> it. And get, you know, that I'm not that way either. You know, it's like, just like I was saying, going to this recording and doing this, like I was coming up against all sorts of my shit, but I was aware that I'm like, my fears are garbage, right? My fears are bullshit. And your fears like, Oh, I'm not good enough. My, or, uh, my voice isn't good enough. My playing's not good enough. Blah, 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 blah. Right. And you know, there were things that I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I wish my playing was better. I wish my voice was a little bit better, but now I'm like, I'm going to work to get better. We still recorded a song with the abilities that I had and it's not bad, you know? And just because you're aware that your fears are bullshit doesn't make them go away, but it does make them a little bit easier to just get through that uncomfortable part of it. Because it's like, okay, I know there's nothing real about these fears. Like nothing, nothing bad is going to happen to me doing this. So just, I'm just going to get on with it. I'm going to just push into it a little more, push it into it a little bit more, right? Overcome these a little bit more. And my skills started to improve. I learned a whole ton about just like, man, I learned a whole ton about music and and how I'm going to do it going forward. Cause it didn't discourage me. Ultimately. In fact, it inspired me. It, it encouraged me to keep going, to pursue it further. Right. So, um, yeah, knowing where your fears are bullshit and when they're real is it's a, it's an important distinction to make. And it's actually not that difficult of a distinction to make that. Yeah. I think that's all I really want to get into with that was like, it's not too hard to know when, when they're garbage and, and when you should pay attention. You know, I, I also want to say like, they say that people's number one fear is public speaking before it is even death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's been thrown around a lot. And so what is this, what is this fear of, you know, 
speaking and being in front of people and all of that. Like, like, why are we so scared of that? You know, to the point where we, we'd be more willing to risk our life dangerously than we would be willing to speak in front of people. Yeah. Like that's, you know, it's very common. I mean, if you, if you put the crowd, I mean, you can change the crowd. If the crowd is people you look up to, if it's people who are your peers and you increase the, the, the crowd and you put yourself up on stage and it's live and all of this, that can frighten a lot of people, right? It, you know, it could be an actor who is frightened to go into an audition. You know, it's, it's all sorts of stuff. Like what, so what is all this? And I think the thing is, is that, you know, we what will they think of me? Yeah. The <laughs> ego, the ego, the person you think you're supposed to be, the person you think you need to present yourself is in charge of those fears. And that's where the ego lets us down, in my opinion, because yeah. basically it's just pride. It's just image. And if you don't care so much about what you appear to be, if you're willing to just be who you are and you're okay with that and you have a certain kind of self-love, you don't need an ego to protect yourself anymore. What the ego is there to do is, is basically say like, look, you don't, you don't love yourself. So because you don't love yourself and you don't accept who you are, I'm going to step in and I'm going to make sure that the world sees you this way so that you feel okay. That's yeah. basically what you've done. And you've kind of created that. And then the ego kind of starts to become a persona, I think, that we take on. And so then we wear that persona around long enough, we start to believe that's us. And then through that, we start to go, well, if I publicly speak, I could mess up. And then people would see that I'm not really the person I want to appear to be. And I'm not all together. Yeah. Everyone's got this whole thing of being, appearing like they're all together. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you choke on beer in the middle of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like it's, uh, you know, so this, once you start getting this kind of self-love, self-acceptance, the other thing too, which is really great is you be, kind of become a little bit bulletproof. You be, kind of become invincible because now you're not scared because now you're like, okay, well, people can see me for how I am and they're going to like me or they're not going to like me. But the people who like me are really going to like me. And the people who don't, I probably don't want them around anyway but the people who like me are actually going to really like me. And so it makes you kind of go, why was I so scared of that? Like, I want that. I want to know who really likes me and who doesn't really like me because, you know, pre-depression, right? I was walking around with a lot of pride, a lot of ego, a lot of image. I had a great presentation for myself. So I thought, yeah. And so what did I do? I attracted a lot of people that really liked my ego. They really liked the image But the thing is, is that, you know, or they thought they could get something from that image or whatever. But so then when the image crumbled because life around me kind of crumbled and I didn't have enough, say, uh, good for a good thing, I didn't have enough to hold it up anymore. And I was like, oh my God, like I can't be the guy that I want to be. So why did I hide away? I hid away because now I can't be the ego. So I'm too scared to be in public because now they're going to see who I really am. Cause that's the beauty of depression. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. If people really actually saw that depression's absolutely necessary in our society, like I know it feels horrible when you go into it, but it's actually such a great thing. Like yeah. I wish I understood that. I wasn't so judgmental of it like early on because I was just judgmental of it. I thought it was a bad thing. And I've since realized, I mean, it's a wonderful thing. I've learned humility. I learned self-love. I learned to accept who I really am. Now that I've come back out in the world, I'm more genuinely me than I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. I'm more free. I'm more open. I'm more at peace. I mean, you know, like I wrote that last script. I fucking put that out there in the world. I wasn't scared what people thought. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's been one of the most well-received scripts I've written. And I've written a shitload of scripts. Yeah. 
You know, so what, what I've realized is that depression is this wonderful gift. The issue was not the depression. The issue was my judgment of depression. Yeah. The issue was my unwillingness to let go of who I thought I needed to be. Yeah. That was the issue. I, I think that such a big problem, just like on a grand scale, like the, the big problem with depression in our society is, is yeah, how wrong we make it. Right. Like we're not, um, we're not really, uh, taught how to, how to handle depression. We know how to handle being happy. We're taught to take a pill. That's what we're taught taught to take a pill, but it's just like, you know, but we're, we're taught to be happy all the time. Yeah. And so we know how to be happy. Yeah. You know, like we know, like we, there's, there's no problem with that. We understand it, but nobody teaches us. There is a problem with that. Well, I mean, there is a problem with it, but I mean, there's like, in terms of how we express joy, express happiness, there's no, we don't really have barriers to that. You know, some people do, which is kind of a weird thing when people can't be happy, even when they are happy, they can't express happiness when they are. Um, but for the most part, people can be like happy and not have an issue with it. You know, you can be, people can be happy and not be judging being happy. Right. But when we feel sad, when we feel depressed, there's all these judgments around it. We don't know what to do with it. So we usually end up bottling it up or freaking out or starting to have, um, anxiety, panic attacks and stuff, because we're just like, I've got these feelings and I'm not supposed to feel this way. And, you know, and then you start to like head down that whole twisted web of shit. Right. But depression, um, and I haven't talked about this book in a long time, but it was, it was a, a profound book for, for me when I first read it. And it still is whenever I reopen it every now and then is, um, care of the soul by Thomas Moore. And he even has a, he has a whole chapter called the gifts of depression. Mm. And he kind of tries to help people, uh, have, have a greater sense of creativity with their lives. And it's like, well, listen, let's, this isn't about fixing your depression. This is about listening to it. Right. And, and he gets into how societies from the past used to deal with it better they used to understand it better. And they would say, um, you know, of somebody who was going through depression, which they didn't even have a word for it really, but they say they're, ha- they have, they're having a visit from Saturn, right? Cause Saturn was like this God of, you know, all of these, all kinds of things, number of things. But one of them was kind of like this time of sadness, but Saturn was also, um, thought of as being like, like wise, And so people would feel sad and they'd go, okay, so I'm getting this visit from Saturn and, you know, and I'm going to come out of it with, with knowledge, with wisdom, you know, and there's lots of cultures in the past. They had more of a healthy, open uh, attitude and respect for uh, these things that we go through. And when you're able to allow it and to feel it and to express it and to listen to it and all of these things, um, you don't stay there for very long. Mm. You know, it's like we learn as we grow up to start stuffing this down, but you watch, you know, uh, like infants and kids, you know, they're sad. They're like, something happens, you know, it's like it comes out of them. Boom. Like they're, they're I'm not saying that we all just start, you know, bawling all the time <laughs> and, you know, being like, that's not necessarily the most helpful way of, of, of handling it. But, um, sometimes it is a way it needs to be handled. You know, sometimes you just need to just let it out 
And the thing with, you know, us with kids is like, they, it comes out and then it's over. Hmm. You know, they've almost forgotten that it even happened, you know, and then it's back to, all right, let's go and play. It's over. Right. right? But as adults, like, it's like, no, you don't have it. So it's never over. Right. Well, that's, you know, and that's the thing I found about depression too, is, you know, you repress emotion long enough, it turns into depression. Yeah. You know, they say that depression is anger turned inward. Yeah. That's all it really is. So, you know, I, I remember I heard that several times in my life and I remember, you know, when I was, I mean, there was, you know, stages and steps and I was coming out of it and I was working it and whatever. But I remember when I was just like, okay, you know what? Anger turned inward. So that's the problem, right? Anger turned inward. So we got to get the anger out. Mm. It's got to go out, but I don't want to be a violent person. And it, I don't want to, I don't want to go and I don't want to do anything destructive to anybody else. I don't want to be that kind of person. And I don't believe in that. So what's my way to do this? And so I, so, you know, I'd be driving along. I pull over the side of the road. I grab a steering wheel as hard as I fucking could. And I go, and I just let something out. I yeah. let this fucking roar. And then I remember I did it the first time and I went, that felt fucking good. And I did it again and I did it again. And then what ends up happening, you know, you express anger, you start to get exhausted and you're like, Oh, I don't, it's like not bottled up anymore. And I let about as much as I can on right now. And this is immediate, interesting feeling that comes after. It's like this sense of elation, you know, the sense of joy, the sense of freedom, the sense of like, Oh, I'm like, I'm open again. You know, another thing people can do is scream into a pillow or, you know, go into nature and yell, you know, whatever you got to do. But what you got to do is you, if you're depressed and actually, I believe most of us are, we're actually highly repressed society. And a lot of us are depressed, but we, you know, we have coping mechanisms. We smoke, we drink, we watch television, we play video games. We do, we buy shit. We, we have all these ways to manage depression. And so we never really go like, Oh, I'm not really depressed, but you're really depressed because you have management things. Basically when people are actually have to acknowledge they're depressed is your management things don't work anymore. Drinking doesn't work. Fucking drugs don't work. You know, games don't work. TV doesn't work. Nothing works. You just, you know, you're fucking down and you can't get out of it. Yeah. Right. And so in a way acknowledging like the first thing about depression is you got to become aware that it's even there. If everybody in society started expressing themselves, we would live in a much joyful, more joyful experience because there is this not, we're not allowed to feel sad and to be angry, especially men. Women too are not allowed to be angry because you know what women get called when they're angry, they get called a bitch and they get called all these other things, but they're angry too. And we got a lot of anger and we, and there's a lot of reasons to be angry because there's a lot of fucked up things to be angry about. And there's a lot of things that we were promised and told that turned out to be bullshit lies. And you know what? It isn't all fucking fairy tales and wonderful. And we grow up and we were told as young people, most of us, that there was some kind of fairy tale. And we thought we were growing up into that. And now we've grown up into it and we realize it's not fucking real. And you know what? It's not what I thought it would be at least. And so as good as life is, there's still a part of us that's like interacting with reality going, fuck this shit. Right. And so, you know, it's so good to let that out and be like, you know what? Fuck that. Fuck that person that talked behind my back. Fuck that job, that fucking boss that comes around and disrespects me. Fuck this. Fuck that. Fuck this. And get it out because fuck those people. 
Like seriously, because you know what? They're repressed and they're depressed and they're putting their shit on you and you're putting your shit on them. So get your fucks out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Get them out. <laughs> I like get the fucks out. People. Okay. You don't have to go to them and express it, but you got to express it. You got to get the feeling out. You got to get the feeling out to, of your body. You Turn gotta, the engine, right? Get the emotion going, get the energy in motion. You've got to at least acknowledge to yourself that you feel that way. Or there's a part of you that feels sure. that way. Right. Because we, again, we have so much judgment. It's like, Oh, I shouldn't feel that way. Right. It, I'm a bad person because I've thought it's like, no, it's, it's just a thought. It's just a feeling. It's just a thought and a feeling. It's just a thought and a feeling. And like, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, when you, it's what you do with it, it's what you do with it. But like, if you, and, and we just get more and more wound up, the more we don't express it, especially when we get into this whole, like feeling guilty for even thinking or feeling a certain way. Right. That's a very big problem in, in, I would say mostly in Western world culture. Right. But it's just like, you know, you feel guilt for even thinking or feeling something. So you just further repress it and you're just like, Oh, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. So you bury it further and bury it further and, and you pile more on and you pile more on it. And again, depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Like this is, this is, these things are in my opinion, (laughs) so no, not everybody (laughs) agrees with this, but all of this shit that happens is like, is because of all of this unexpressed emotion. Yeah. You know, it's just energy in motion, That's you know, like it it's, it's yeah. like, and you've cut off the motion, which is why you don't want to get up in the morning is which why you want to sleep in. It's why you don't want to move or do anything. And you feel lethargic and you want to sit and watch television or just sit and drink because, because you got a two ton boulder sitting in the pit of your stomach. Exactly. You can't move. You know, that's the thing about, about emotion it, when you put that energy in motion, you begin to want to feel free and you begin to want to move. But you know what? The, the other thing too is, you know, in our society, a lot of people have paired anger with violence, which anger has nothing to do with violence. People sometimes get angry and they're violent, but they have nothing to do with each other. I can tell you this because I have been very angry and not done any violence to anything or hurt anything or anyone. Yeah but I've been angry. And, and once I let the anger out, in fact, I was better with people when I came around them because I left that shit off to the side and I didn't need to bring it into the situation in a destructive way. The other thing is they compare, they make uh, sadness weakness. It's not weakness. Sadness is strength. If anything, yeah. sadness is strength because sadness is your depth. You know, you know that you cannot have joy without sadness. Yeah. They come together. Like the, the whole inside thing is, out. Yeah. It's a spectrum. <laughs> right. And that's why they made that movie. I know. Right. So good. I love that movie. With the, 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 to the degree that you can feel sad is the degree that you can feel joy. Yeah. Right. And to the degree that you can feel passion is to the degree you can feel anger. Yeah. They come together. They're not like, they're not these things. You can't, if you cut off one, you kill the other. And I'll tell you something. When I was depressed and I wasn't expressing anger, I had no fucking passion. And when I wasn't allowing myself to just be sad, I had no joy. So what is the answer? It's not to pursue joy. As the world will tell you, the world will say, you know, try and be happy, do this thing, get ice cream. It's actually go fucking cry, put yourself in the position that you would cry in. And I did this exercise. This one of the things that got me out of it. I sat on the edge of my bed. I put myself in the cry position and I tell you, you start doing it. 
Just sit there, breathe, breathe deep, put yourself in cry position. You will start crying. It will start to come. Yeah. Because your body, your body has a, a physical memory yeah. that when you like, when you really cry, what do you do? Cover your fucking eyes. Do that. Watch. You'll start to feel sad, right? You want to start feeling happy. You got to start smiling. You have to start moving your body, lift your shoulders yeah. up, lean back, right? The, the physicalization of the thing is just as important. But the thing is, is that when you get depressed, your body basically contorts, it gets stuck and you don't really do any of the physicalities. You get in this kind of numbness, which is like basically avoiding all feeling. And then you want happiness, but you can't get it. But then you're not willing to express the anger and the sadness. Yeah. So, you know, if you want passion, like one thing that I've been learning more and more is that, you know, anger not only gets you out of depression, like expressing it, but it actually connects. Well, it's connected me to passion. And I found that anger is such a wonderful thing. It's like this, and anger is a great way for you to actually bring fear up because underneath anger is fear, right? So it's just a fight or flight. So basically if you, once you stop fighting, what ends up happening is you start to feel the flight, you start to feel the other side, and then you can face the fear. Because the other thing too is like, you know, if you don't need anger anymore to face fears, you can go into fear in a calm, collected, peaceful way. But like a lot of people never do any, so they always need fear. They always need like anger to face fear. They need to get yeah. angry to face it. But like, you know, it's, it's highly limiting, right? Yeah. So I mean, I, so I'm just saying like expression is so important. It's, it's an, it's an important part of the healing process. It's an important part of self love, self acceptance, understanding what's in you. And, and the thing is, if you have real friends, people who are really around you, they'll let you yell and scream. You know, you go to a good therapist, they'll say, okay, I want you to take the spongy bat, you know, or whatever. And I want you to hit the thing and fucking let it out. Yeah. Cause once they know, once you like the good ones know, once you do that, you're going to get it out. Cause they know that you've got to get it out and, and they can't, they can't do it for you. They got to get you to do it, you yeah. know? And that's, you know, a f- and a friend of mine, um, uh, works in a, in a children's hospice. Okay. And, uh, there's like, and it's, you know, which are like, those are just extraordinary organizations that do, that do that, you know? Um, but they, you know, like they, they have all these services for the families and stuff that are, that are in there. And, but one of the things that they have like in these, you know, in their, in their facilities is they have, I don't remember what, what they call it, but it's basically like, a big puffy padded room, soundproof room for anybody to go in there. If they need to just have a complete fucking meltdown Mm -hmm. to just go and like hit the walls, just scream and yell and whatever. And it's like, this is healthy. It's like, you got to get it out. Right. Like you just, sometimes you just got to get it out and you need to feel safe to do that. You know? Like it's, and it's interesting, like where we are inside, it's almost kind of telling that it's like, you've got to have a setup like that for somebody to feel comfortable to do it. Right. You know, to let all of these emotions out, especially like in that, by that point, you're so bottled up most likely, like you've got been holding on to so much that you've just got to go in there and just like go ape shit, Mm -hmm. but it's giving a space for it to happen, you know? 
Yeah. And so much of us don't have, you know, we're not necessarily given that space, not given that opportunity. So I think it's like, you know, we've got to learn to give ourselves that space. Right. And, you know, I want to try and bring this in here to, you know, cause this is all important. We talk about so much just kind of life stuff in here, but I always find it's like, well, this is art and life imitate one another. Right. And so the, I think as artists, it's a responsibility to be, to be complete human beings in a way, you know, it's like to, to go and explore these things, to go and, and to understand ourselves on, on a deep level so that we can express. Yeah. And, you know, part of this is, you know, so you can learn to express these things that people are afraid to go into, but also for ourselves, just practically, you know, the, like the, the more whole that we are, um, and the more able we are to express and, and to acknowledge and honor, uh, everything that we are and everything that is going on with us, the better it's going to be for us to create, you know, the fewer blocks are going to have around creating, you know, the fewer blocks are going to have, um, in, in just in being able to express freely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so I want to get into this whole thing about, uh, forgiveness and how that relates because, um, I think what, what, you know, we're, we're talking, I mean, this is kind of one of those things where this is one of those talks that's turning out to be a little bit more of the life side of the artistry. But the thing is, is that I have found that if I'm not expressing myself in my own life, both my creativity and my career suffer. I find that when I express myself, when I feel free and I, and I, and I don't feel fear, um, or at least I'm willing to face whatever fear I have without too much trouble. I find that I have the most amount of success, the most amount of forward movement, the most amount of opportunity and creativity and whatnot. So I feel like this, this talk is very important for helping people unlock what is really them. You know what I'm saying? But I found that forgiveness has been one of the things as well that has been one of those kind of keys to lock, you know, once you get past the expression part, the next thing you dig down is the, is the forgiveness part. I mean, that's what kind of comes after because, you know, when I said, get your fucks out, get your fuck yous out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what happens behind every one of those fuck yous is there's a, there's maybe a certain kind of a blame or there's a certain kind of a story that's negative. Right. And so I realized recently that, and I've made a, I've forgiven a lot, a lot of things and a lot of people. Um, but there's some people that up until recently, um, I feel I wasn't able to forgive and I'm like, well, maybe I'll forgive them in time but like time's passing and maybe I'm forgiving them a little more all the time. And I'm like, fuck, this is taking too long. Like it it still bothers me when I think about these people or did. And so what I did was this exercise. And this is the thing I wanted to share with people. And I think people should do this as well. If you got things to forgive people to forgive is that you can rewrite history. This is what I learned. So you can't change what happened but you can change the way you tell the story about what happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, someone does something shitty 
in the past and their behavior. It doesn't, the other thing too, forgiveness does not excuse their behavior. That's another thing. People think that forgiveness, I used to think forgiveness somehow excused their behavior. No, it doesn't. What they did was still destructive. It, nothing's going to change that, but it's irrelevant. That's them. They did this destructive thing. You know, you didn't do the destructive thing. They got to live with the fact that they did the destructive thing. So whatever, like they did it. It's their cross to bear. They're going to have to figure that shit out and they're going to eventually have to face it or they're going to have to hide it. And either way, yeah, believe me, it's going to be a problem for them. Yeah. You know, so they're going to have to deal with it. What you can deal with is how you tell the story and how it affects you. Now, let me just take this back before I get into this. I had a major shift when I decided to take on the belief that the universe is conspiring to help me, not conspiring to hurt me, not conspiring to hold me back. So the first step to forgiveness, in my opinion, is this. You take the decision, you just make this decision that the world is conspiring to help me. It's conspiring to make me who I dream of being, to make me better. If you want to take on the belief that it's hurting you, you'll probably be a perpetual victim to it. So I don't see why, why you would ever do that because there's just no point. So you might as well just begin to take on the belief that it's conspiring to help you. Everything in the world is somehow there and it can help you and is designed to help you. So once you take that on, then you look at the people who hurt you in the past or the people who did the shitty thing and you look at it. And the first thing you want to get out is the fuck you. You go, it hurt me that you did this. It pisses me off that you did this. It frustrates me. You said this, it bothers me that you betrayed me. It, it, it hurts me that you talked behind my back. It, all of that, get all of that shit out. So that's the expression part of forgiveness. Yeah. Put that on the table first. What are you angry and sad and hurt about what they did? Right. Yeah. That's your feeling. You can own your feeling. They did this thing you feel hurt by. Great. So now the next thing is you go, what you did, this is what it did for me. So when you, when you used me to get onto my production, so you could forward your career. And then when your career went forward and you didn't give me any tribute or didn't throw any feedback to the show that helped you get the launch or any of this, what that did for me is it taught me this. It taught me about the importance of who I bring on board and the type of thing I want to build with people. It taught me to be more honest with myself about who's around me and who's just benefiting from me and who actually likes to be around me. You gave me the awareness. So you start thanking the person because the shitty thing they did taught you because we don't come out of the womb knowing this stuff. Yeah. So, so I went through this exercise. I've done it, you know, for my major, my majors, my, you know, I call them the people who have been the hardest to forgive the people who I feel did the most damaging acts in my life. And I go, I understand why you did it because maybe you were in this place and this is what it did for me. And so from all the things that happened, I learned what is a true friend? What does it mean to really be there for somebody? What does it mean? Like, you know, what does it mean to, to draw a hard line, you know, in life? What does it mean? You know, all this stuff. So it gave me boundaries. It taught me to have integrity. It taught me to have depth. You know, I went through this depression and there's certain people in my life who, you know, I feel really, really let me down, but I'm like, you know, you helped me go through the hardest period of my life. 
And now that I've come through it, I realize what I really want. I realize why personal depth and integrity and trust and honesty are so important. Your lies, your deceits, your betrayals actually gave me a gift. And so what ends up happening is the forgiveness is you did this horrible thing. Like imagine people, and so this is kind of the other part of the exercise. Imagine this was all a movie, right? And people had to sign up to play roles in your life. And some people had to play antagonistic characters. They didn't want to, but they were like, this is the role you have to play because you need to teach Evan or you need to teach so-and-so this lesson in their life. So you're going to have to be this kind of shitty person in their life. You're going to have to do that. And, and, and you're going to have your own struggles, but this is, you're going to hurt this person. That's part of your journey. And so that person had to do it that way because for whatever reason. So if you looked at it, like almost like the universe planted them in your life so that they would teach you the hard lesson. And then you start looking at this, you start to go, okay, well, who am I going to be now that I've experienced this? Right? Because what a person said to me long ago, when I was kind of in my, when I was actually right before things got really bad, when I was kind of in this depressed state, they said, you know, you're acting like you're going to be the same person you were when this happened to you. Like you've changed, you've grown, you've learned, but I didn't quite get it, but I kind of heard it. I didn't quite get it until later that kind of resonated with me. And I thought, yeah, you know what? It's true. I mean, I'm not going to be the same way with people. I'm not going to tolerate the same shit. You know, I'm not going to, um, put up with that type of thing. Also, I have more clarity on the type of friends I want around me and the type of people I want around me and the things I accept and don't accept. So part of, part of, forgiveness is seeing how pain helped you because there's a saying also that says enough pain and you will change. You know, we need pain to grow. So we should always be thankful of pain. But the problem is, is that we, we like to pretend and deny and listen to the ego and do all this stuff that like basically gets us into these situations. And the other thing too, is when you're really young, say someone does something really shitty and you, you didn't necessarily have control over that. That's also another thing where it's like, Maybe you didn't get yourself into that. Maybe someone should have been responsible. Maybe someone didn't look after you. Regardless, you lived it and it's not going to change. It's going to be, it's your, it's part of your story. So you got to look at this thing that happened to you when you were younger and you got to, you got to still figure out a way to champion it. You still got to figure out a way to see how it made you better because there's really two choices. You're either the victim or you're the champion of all past events. So this exercise I went through was a reframing of everything. So every person that ever hurt me, and I'm going through, there's still a few more things to go through, but I've made through the, a lot of it and it's, it's changed a lot. But I basically took everything that ever happened and I reframed it in how it helped me as opposed to hurt me. And what ended up happening was I could thank that person. I'm not going to, I'm not necessarily going to go to that person and thank them directly, but I thank them inside my heart. And I say, thank you for playing that role in my life because you gave me what I need because I don't know about you my life is destined for great things and I am destined to be a great man. That is written in the stars because I wrote it in the stars. So I will not allow you to take away my light and my greatness because you hurt me. That will not happen. And I will not give you that power. So what you did for me is you could have only helped me. You could have only helped me achieve and and aspire to what I know I'm supposed to be. So your hurt of me is a gift. 
And although I don't want you in my life, and although it is not okay what you did, that doesn't mean that I'm a victim of it. That means that you played the part which gave me the wisdom and experience and depth that I have today. And the thing is, is that if, if living a great life, if becoming the full potential person you could be, if it was easy, everybody would just do it. But I've discovered that it requires a great deal of pain because we live in a society that has not caught up to mentor us and teach us the integrity, the values, the way to understand ourselves. We live in a society, and let's just be honest here, we live in a society that promotes individualism, ego, uh, materialism, um, getting ahead, money, money focus, results focus. So what happens? We put humanity second and we put self, self-flatulation like, or self-gratification or whatever first. We put self first. We, we always do this and we're taught to do that. So of course we're in a, we're in a destructive spin in a way, right? Yeah. So it takes people to understand that like, okay, we are in a car and it's fucking careening off the edge. I'm jumping out of this motherfucker. I'm not going down with it. Cause yeah, you know what? You guys want to stay in the car. You want to go over the edge. I'm going to fucking jump out. And you know what? When I jump out, I'm going to scuff myself on the cement and I'm going to scrape myself and I'm going to hurt and I'm going to have scars and I'm going to be pissed off that I lost the car. But the thing is, is that it's careening off the motherfucking edge and I am not going off the edge. And if I got to take some bruises and some slashes and some wounds, I'm going to live through that fall and I'm going to rise back up and that shit's going to heal, but I'm not going to die being a victim to some car crash right? Because that's the problem. Like society in some ways, the the fall of society throughout history has always been a car crash. Everybody can see it coming. Everybody knows it's there. But who of us are courageous enough to jump out of that fucking car and get up on our own two feet and say, this is not okay. I'm, I, I will, I will take the hurt and I will make the hurt allow me to be better. And that, and that's, and that's part of the forgiveness. And you got to understand that those people who might've hurt you in the past, they have their own struggle and their own pain. And in many ways, the only reason why they hurt you is because they are in the car. So don't be in the car. Don't go and hurt people because someone hurt you. You've got to stop somewhere and it takes champion and it takes being the kind of person that says, you know what? Yeah, I experienced some pain and it made me better. It didn't hurt me in one bit. You know what? It hurt at the moment, but I moved through it and I passed it. And I, I'm not worried again. I'm not in the car anymore. I'm yeah. not careening off the edge anymore. Yeah, you, know? you can. So you that's can, kind of the that's kind of the way I look at it. You right? can use it to to close close yourself off, or you can use it to open yourself up. Right. The choice is yours, completely. And the thing is, is that you know these people that hurt you, they just played a part in your life. Like you don't have to have them in your life, you know. Um, and it doesn't matter who they are. In my opinion, they could be family. They could be your best friend for your whole life. They could be a stranger. It doesn't really matter. But if you decide to draw the line, you say, this person is toxic in my life. I'm removing you for the time being, or I'm possibly removing you forever. That's okay. That's your choice. It's your life. You own no one, nothing. And that's, and that doesn't mean that like, uh, you're lacking in, in compassion for someone. Cause like I've heard compassion described as, um, the recognition that every person is doing the best they can in their current, um, beliefs and circumstances. 
within that, you know, it's like, and, and when you start to actually really understand it, that everybody actually is, even the people screwed you. And it is, it's not saying that what they did was okay, but it is saying it's like, that was the best they could do. That was the best they were actually able of doing at that point in their lives. Yeah. Was that. And it, that's like one step in in helping you to like forgive this stuff because it really is like a big part of forgiveness is for you. It's not, it's not necessarily for the other person, you know, it's for yourself. It is for you. Yeah. It is for you. Um, because otherwise you're just hanging, you're just dragging all this shit behind you. Yeah. You know, like, uh, Jacob Marley in a, in a Christmas Carol, you know, he's got all those like chains and those weights around him. That's what it, that's what it is. That's like what all of these, these angers, these blames, these, um, these things that you haven't forgiven people for are like, they're these, they're these things that are, are chaining and weighing you down. Mm. And it's happening in your mind. It's happening in, and, and it does, it kills your motivation. You don't want to, again, it's like, you don't want to go anywhere when you're dragging all of that shit around with you. Right. And we don't think that this stuff affects us. Sometimes we think the shit has moved, we've moved on from it, but a lot of times like, no, you haven't because this, every single time you think about it, you're still, your blood's still boiling. Yeah. Or you just, or you, you're, you're running to, to numb it out somehow, you know, whenever you think of it. It's like, I need a drink. I need this. I need that. You know, you're trying to distract yourself from it. That means you're, that's a chain. That's a weight that you, you're still hanging on to. Mm. And the only way to let go of it is to actually look at it. It's to actually acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is good. I mean, you know, I think, I think also part of this whole forgiveness thing is forgiving yourself too, because you know, Oh, hundred percent. You know, I think there's a lot of things with forgiveness that come on the other side of things is, is understanding that, you know, there's shame and there's guilt and there's a certain kind of like judgment of yourself. Like I'm an idiot for doing this. So I made this mistake, but forgive yourself because you were doing the best you could too. And you know, the other thing too, is that never, never walk around as an innocent either. Don't walk around going like, I never hurt anybody. I'm holier than thou. I'm the best person ever. Somewhere along the line, you hurt somebody's feelings and maybe you don't know it. And maybe you didn't mean to and weren't aware, but you probably did something that offended somebody or did something right. So, and don't, don't decide that you're perfect. That, I mean, that's, that's part of the problem too, is, you know, when people, you know, when people make everyone else wrong except themselves, you know, the thing is, is that, you, you know, I think, part of forgiveness is about healing the past. It's about healing relationships that still have hooks in you. And it's about letting go who you think you're supposed to be. That's another part of it because part Mm. of the self forgiveness is what allows you to drop the ego. You know, it allows you to drop the image of who you're trying to appear to be. Um, and I think that what ends up coming is that, you know, when you forgive, you actually eradicate fear you eradicate fear from the moment and from the future and it gives you freedom. So then you have freedom in the moment and you have freedom in the future. And as we get older, it makes sense why we feel less free because we have more and more hurts, less and less forgiveness, right? We, we hold more and more grudges, right? So that's why as you get older, you feel less free to be who you want to be and do what you want to do. And you've, and you have more suppressed and, and depressed pain, but like, part of the healing process is about 
going through life and, and not letting that stuff bury you, right? Because when you're young, for most of us at least, we don't really have a lot of, uh, we don't have a lot of hurt, right? Uh, our hurt is very minimal. You know, we get yeah. to be free. We get to be children. It's easy to be free when you're a child. It's hard to be free when you're an adult. So if you want to, if you, you know, if you see the benefit of being free and to be someone who's actually like, has a certain sense of expression, a certain sense of self that isn't like all buried in this idea of who they think they're supposed to be. If if you value that type of stuff, forgiveness is a necessary part of the whole process. It's absolutely necessary. I believe to have your dreams come true, you know, because I think that if you carry this shit with you, you will use those things to destroy yourself because all that I found about any type of fame or fortune, all it really does is amplify whatever is already going on. It doesn't heal it or fix it. Temporarily it feels better, but ultimately it just brings more of it up to the surface and it makes the stakes higher and puts more pressure on it. So wherever you are in life and, 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 and the lower you are, the better is deal with it now. Don't wait until you hit the, the boiling point because you know, don't wait until you're famous or something until you have an audience to watch you go through your, your, you know, your downfall, do it before you have the audience, do it now, you know, do it. Well, it's just you, you know, and, and, and when you come out of it, you'll make a better impact on the world because you won't be doing things from this hurt, you know, place. That's, that's what I think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's an important thing because like, you know, you said earlier that it's like pain, you know, we need pain to learn. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, how much, I, I think how much pain we, we have to go through is, is somewhat optional. Um, uh, because I was gonna say like pain and then, and then at the same token, love are the partnership that you need in order to get the most out of it. Hmm. Right. Like it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's, pain is the thing that comes and it just like, you know, it, it rips apart the engine, right? You know, the engine's busted, something's wrong. You know, you don't know what it is, right? Now you have to go and you have to look, you have to pop the hood you've got to pull the engine out and you got to look at everything. Yeah. You got to look at all the pieces out there, see how everything fits and is going together. And where something has, where something went awry and you go, Oh, that's what happened. And then you got to put it all back together. You got to, you got to fix the pieces. You got to polish everything up. You got to, you got to, you know, put some love back into it after you've seen it all. You say, this is what went wrong. And now you've got to put the love back into it. Cause once you've seen it, it's important that you, you come back in with that whole thing. And that's what the, the whole forgiveness for others and forgiveness for yourself, I think comes in as just being like, okay, you know what? This is what went wrong. That's okay. We're going to put it back together. We're going to make it right. Yeah. Yeah. The love is an important component. I think a lot of people miss out. I think being hard on, on ourselves is, is, um, often looked at as a virtue. Um, I think it's another big misconception in our culture in our society. It's like, you gotta be hard on yourself. And you like, look at people who are hard on themselves and we're like, yeah, look at them. They're really, 
There, you know, but you know what I mean? It's like, there's, there is, there's this weird thing. It's like, and then you, when you start to think about what it is that you actually really admire about it, it becomes kind of weird. It becomes strange. It's like, yeah, look at them. Like for, for whatever reason, we watch somebody who beats themselves up and we're like, yeah, like, man, they're just, they're really just <laughs> ripping the shit out of themselves for making a mistake and being human. <laughs> and, uh, do we, I, I, like, I, I don't know if we, I don't know if we even admire when people are that hard on themselves. Well, I mean, it's the thing is, is like, it's, it wears out. I think it starts, that's the thing. It starts to wear out. It's welcome mm. really quickly. Cause like, I think being hard on yourself is like this weird false humility. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It is it's, kind of a false humility. It's like, Oh, I'm hard on myself. I'm humble. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're just prideful. Yeah. You know, like it's still, it's still ego. It's like the ego's idea of humility. Humble. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Actually. Humble is not, is not hard on yourself. Humble is an acceptance that you're human. Humble is realizing that you're not the center of the universe and that you don't control everything. And that, you know, that you make mistakes and that, you know, it, humble is part, seeing how vulnerable you are in the world. And that, you know, that, there's, you know, and there's a certain peace in the fact that you don't have to be everything that, you know, that, that you, you know, the world will still turn without you. That is part of humility. And I think it's, it's a kind of a, it's a self acceptance and a gratitude. It isn't a beating yourself up and being hard on yourself. And I think you're right. I think it is a false humility when people, you know, suffer and beat the, beat themselves up. And I think like, you know, I think it's just, I think it's a lot of miseducation. I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. And I think that, you know, as people kind of awaken and they shift these types of things and they start to heal and, and start to raise to a higher level, a higher vibration, higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it, they have, they have, you know, a practice of forgiveness. They have a practice of self-love. They're going to start to teach and inform younger generations and other people to do the same. But right now I think we have a lot of society, which doesn't have a lot of self-love and that's why we have a lot of ego and we have a lot of people that are hiding how they feel. Yeah. And that's why we have a lot of drinking and smoking and stuff. I mean, and lots of stuff, even exercise, even, you know, just like the food that you eat, the, you know, like, you know, binging on anything. Yeah. You binge on anything like can be, yeah. Can be destructive. Can be destructive. Well, this has been deep deep talk. Let's, uh, let's do the beer. Cause I'm running low here. Yeah. Um, this is good, man. I think it's a, I think it's a half of Eisen. I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah. It's gotta be a half. It's gotta be, or maybe it's a, maybe it's an ale. Maybe it's like a white ale, but it's, um, it's nice. It's refreshing. It's summery. It's very tasty. Uh, two thumbs up. I really like it. Um, yeah, it's good. It's refreshing. Nice summer beer and light. Yeah. Yeah, no, this one's been, been real nice. Uh, yeah, I, I got it. You're pretty, pretty close with it. You're pretty bang on. Um, but yeah, I got it just cause I'm like, that's a hot day. And also <laughs> the name of the beer was just like, that sounds just delightful. Yeah. And the beer has been delightful. It it's has. been nice and balanced and like refreshing and delicious. And now this one is from Fernie. Brewing oh, company. I think okay. we might have had one on really Fernie before. Oh, okay. And this is called their Slow Drift. 
Ooh. Wit beer. <laughs> That's a wheat beer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So it's um, a refreshing Belgian brew with light and spicy citrus flavors. You know yeah, what's it's funny? Tasty. You know what's funny? I wish I, I, wish I had bought more. Yeah. That's it. Oh, that's it? Right, that's it. So enjoy that last slurp there, friend. <laughs> I will. Um, you know what's funny about these not-so-serious podcasts? Sometimes they get so serious. <laughs> I don't even think they necessarily do get serious, because I don't know. I always <laughs> I always have a lot of fun with this stuff. Like, even even the heavy topics are just kind of like, yeah, you know, you don't... You don't, you still don't, you don't take it too seriously. Yeah. You know, even when you get into the, into the, what you think of as being serious stuff, it's like, I don't take it too seriously, but let's just talk about it. Let's, let's riff on this for a little bit and see what, what comes out. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's good, you know, to, to talk about a lot of this stuff and bring it to light. I think it's something that, you know, I think things around motivation and depression and expression and things like that are really important topics for people right now. Yeah. I mean, I always find that like, whenever we do a podcast that has anything to do with motivation or anything to do with some type of like not feeling like doing anything or feeling depressed or down, those tend to get a lot of people listening, you know? And I think that that's very telling about where people are at, you know, Mm -hmm. that people really are trying to, you know, that people want to be motivated and they want to be connected and passionate and they don't want to feel like, you know, aimless and like they don't have any motivation or don't know what to do. And, I think these things kind of come together. And so, um, I think this is kind of something that, you know, we're working through. And I think our generation in a lot of ways is working through this stuff because there is a shift in how like society functions. Now it used to be that you could do these kind of drone type jobs where you just showed up, you did your hour, you, you know, it was a very menial kind of job where you didn't have to think too much and you did it and then you moved on because you were essentially like a hired robot. But now they build robots for that shit and they build computers for that shit. You don't need people anymore. Yeah. So now more of the jobs and careers, they require social skill and they require thinking and, and actually breaking stuff down. And so people are looking for more meaning in their life and they're looking for, you know, they're looking for, um, kind of a certain kind of self-expression now and we're much more emotionally in touch and because we're more emotionally in touch and we live in a world that doesn't necessarily always accommodate that or doesn't accept that I think what happens is those suppression of emotions makes us less motivated and makes us more depressed and then we don't know how to deal with it so I think these talks are really that's probably why they end up being the ones that people want to listen to the most in spite of this being a show about art art and career because I think what's happening is people have these dreams to be artistic and creative in some way, but they don't and they aren't able to do it the way they want. And they're looking for things like, you know, how do I feel better? How do I not feel like shit? How do I get motivated? How do I like get over this and like face these things? Right. And so these types of talks in some ways are, are very like prevalent in their, in their, like, I don't know, prevalence or a word, but like they're very, valuable, you know, to people, because when we're not depressed, when we feel free, when we feel like passionate and excited, we don't have a lot of problems. Yeah. You know, a lot of things just get removed, but when we feel depressed and we feel like we can't express and we feel like you can't be ourselves, I mean, that's, think about it. I mean, that's where most of our problems come from. Yeah. So I think these types of talks are good because they, 
you know, they, they basically help us to just get a little bit more honest with ourselves and then start to, uh, you know, yeah. start to function better as people. And then as better functioning people, we can apply it to our art and our careers and whatnot a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And things that are very often just overlooked. Right. And our emotions are so often the thing that's overlooked. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, so, what do you want to take away from this bad boy? Oh my God. Um, you know, this was, I really, in, I, I don't necessarily know what the takeaway is with this one. I've got to stew on this maybe a little bit, but, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to start somewhere as I've learned. So I'll, I'm <laughs> something will, will, will come out here. So, I mean, we're talking a lot about like motivation, forgiveness, our emotions, like depression, the, the things that, that, uh, go on with this. You know what? My, my thing is, you know what? I'm going to, uh, whenever I, I catch myself, like when I've got some sort of like, what we would consider a negative emotion, which is still something I don't even like doing because it's like, well, that's a judgment on what it is, but just for the sake of this conversation, a negative emotion, anger or, or hurt or fear or whatever it is. Um, I'm going to find some way to give it expression. Hmm. I'm going to find some way to just go like, Oh, I'm feeling this. Okay. Like acknowledgement is the first thing. And that was actually for, for a while, that was what I was doing for a while. When I became aware of, of how much I was, not allowing myself to feel was just the act of, of being able to say to myself, Oh, I'm feeling this way. And actually scientifically, uh, there was a recent study that was done that said that even just the acknowledgement being able to, you don't even have to say it out loud. You just say it to yourself in your head and say, I'm feeling nervous or I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling this just the sheer act of admitting it to yourself, your body sends like, uh, uh, endorphins and, and stuff through your body. Like it's, it's a crazy thing. Like hmm. they like, this is proven. You just admit how you're feeling to yourself and you'll immediately start feeling better. Hmm. Um, so now I think it's like, take it to the next level. It's like, okay, how am I going to give this expression? I'm going to turn into kind of a creative exercise, actually, just be like, okay, I'm feeling this way. All right, let's give this expression an expression somehow. What am I going to do? Hmm. Right. And see what I come up with. Right. And maybe it's just something stupid. Like, it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, punch this pillow Right. or I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll just like, I'll just sit and I'll, and I'll put it like, and I'll pick up my guitar and just play something for a little while that I'm just like to try and give, give it some sort of a voice, give it some sort of an expression. But that's what I'm going to do. Hmm. I'm going to do that. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah. It. Turn it into something creative. All right. Well, uh, you know, I, I started doing, uh, two exercises, uh, recently, which one was when I, when I tell myself why I want a certain goal is instead of looking at what I get from the goal, look at what my, why, the, what the goal gives, the contribution it actually gives. Yeah. So 
that is shifting a lot of things for me and, and helping my motivation and helping me find more purpose because I found that goals that are only self-serving are actually not, there's not a lot of drive. I mean, it seems like there would be, but there really isn't that much drive for them. I mean, I find that so yeah. like, just as a side note, I find that so interesting about our psychology. Mm. You know, it's like, we like to think ourselves as being like, so selfish and, and blah, 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 blah and, and all these nasty things about ourselves, but at our core to of our psychology and how we actually operate, we're not actually, we, we're not actually optimal in a selfish condition. No, we aren't. I think that's, that's so amazing that yeah. that's part of like, that's because this book, you've told me a little bit about it yeah, and we'll put the drive drive and we'll, and we'll put a, uh, we'll put it in the blog um, right up for it. Um, so you can go and check it out. But, uh, you know, this is the, from what you've told me, this is based on, on like studies and like they've done yeah. like on, on people's motivation, they've actually like found causal and, and, you know, evidence and to suggest, um, that we are indeed not optimal. Like we're not at our best when we are selfish. Mm -hmm. That is actually quite counterproductive for us to be selfish in our lives, that to be more so geared towards the interest of others or something beyond ourselves, we actually create a better life for ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. It's very interesting. It's interesting because like, I mean, and just like some other summaries of this book, like, you know, we, we don't, what we want is we want a sense of freedom and we want a sense of to feeling like we're mastering something, we're getting better. We don't actually necessarily like results as much as we think we do. We don't necessarily like uh, achieving the necessarily the final result. We like the process more. And, um, you know, it seems like this isn't so to some degree because we've, you know, if you look at school, right, school kind of did this thing where you get grades And so students start learning to get the grade. They don't learn to learn. They learn to get the grade and it gets reinforced that you need the grade to do the thing. And so everything starts to become very results driven. And so what ends up happening is, you know, people, um, they don't learn because they're curious anymore. They learn because this is what I need to get through to the next level and I get through and so whatever. And then you get into the world and what ends up happening is, I mean, let's be honest, school is not all always that meaningful for students. It's meaningful maybe for businesses and systems, but it's not necessarily meaningful for us. But yeah. we play the game, we do we do the kind of rat run of it to get to the point where we can get the job, get into school, do the thing or whatever. The problem is is eventually that whole thing, chasing that carrot, runs out. Yeah. And we're like I'm tired of chasing fucking carrots. Is my whole life chasing a fucking carrot? And like, what's the point? And you start looking back, you start looking at your life, you start going whatever. And uh, the thing is, is that, um, you know, they, they point out that baby boomers are, you know, that's why they're having midlife crises and going through this stuff and, you know, and, and looking back at their life and they're having a lot of like existential kind of crisis type stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, contribution actually makes a lot of sense because through through providing value to others, not only do we make money because that's how money is made. When you give people value, they give you money. So if your goal is to 
give them value, you'll get money naturally because people want the value. So all you really have to do is just add in the step of, okay, well, I'm giving value. Now let me just figure out how to charge appropriately for it. As opposed to going, I'm going to get money and let me just figure out how I can contribute to people so I can get money. Like it's totally fucking backwards the way that we're taught to do it. But if we went the other way and we actually are naturally motivated to contribute because it basically reinforces our own value, our own contribution, our greater purpose, all of this. The other thing too, is that we like to do things that create a certain sense of mastery that, you know, and it kind of talks about how we like to get better at stuff. So like, that's why people will pursue things like say playing the guitar. You could always be better at the guitar. You know, that's why people like, we look at actors and we look at filmmakers and artists and, and novelists and stuff like that. And it's kind of, it's not just about the book they did it's kind of about the life they live. It's about them pursuing something that they yeah. can always be passionate and excited about. So anyway, I mean, that's one thing I'm doing right now is seeing, instead of looking at my goals as things that I get, I'm looking at my goals as I'm doing this so I can give this because yeah. that's why I'm doing it. Like I'm, I'm running my international film school, not so I can make money, but because I believe that everybody will benefit from making a film and anybody who does my course is going to learn to be on the ground, actually making a film and writing a script. And to me, that excites me because they're going to learn about business. They're going to learn about connecting with people, building teams. They're going to learn the experience of of creating something that they came up with or someone else came up with and they're bringing it to life or they get to, you know, be a part of something that someone created, whatever. It's fucking amazing to me. I want to help people have that experience. That's why I create a film school. Yeah. Right. So part of my exercise leaving this is continue to do that. Continue to think about what my contribution is, what I'm giving with all the goals I have. That's my why. And the other thing too, is to continue my forgiveness exercise, which is everything that I think ever hurt me in my life. Everything that I'm angry about, sad about, frustrated, whatever it might be, is to look at that thing and go, what was the benefit? What's the great gift of this? You know, how did this actually add to me being who I am today and give me an opportunity I wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that, you know, I have to bring that person into my life or even have to tell that person it's irrelevant. But, but you know what, if I constantly use everything I've ever been given to make me better, I mean, how can you lose? Right? So that's my exercise going forward is just using my whole past to just be ammunition to just help me have more firepower today. Right. And I'm not going to turn those guns on myself. I'm not going to turn that against me anymore. I'm only using it now so that I have more power to go forward and, and more ability to do what I do. And you know what? One of the other things I've realized this contribution exercise is I got a fucking awesome story. I got an incredible story of facing adversity and going out and building my own show on a whim and putting all my fucking life savings into it and fucking losing it all and getting back up and going again. That's a fucking good story. And people want to hear that. And that's part of the reason why I got to do this because people need to hear that story and they need to know that you can get knocked down and get back up. And that's part of the purpose of my life because I'm a fighter and you know this about me. I'm resilient as a motherfucker. I'm so persistent. And there's one thing that nobody can ever deny is they know that about me. And the thing is, is I, I need to tell that story. So I need to look at this thing as a massive gift because that's going to be inspiring to people. That's yeah. going to encourage people. It's going to, it's going to teach people that you're never down and out. It's never too late. 
You know what I mean? And so regardless of the results of that, my pursuit of that gives me fire and life and excitement inside. So really, I mean, all I'm doing is I'm just adding fuel to that fire, you know, by doing this forgiveness exercise, doing this contribution exercise. And that's just what I'm going to keep doing because I'm finding it's working. And it's been one of the missing links as a part of the puzzle. And I'm sure there's possibly some more that need to get into place, but I know I'm turning the ship in the right direction to bring it back to that analogy. (laughs) You know, I'm turning the ship in the right direction and I'm building momentum and I'm, I'm, I'm getting further and further away from this depressed state and more and more into this empowered fucking excited state. And it's becoming like more and more throughout my day. I live in flow and less, you know, in less in times of suffering and less in times of trouble. And so that's what I'm going to keep doing. I mean, you know, this, this talk just helped me reinforce that even further, really. So I hope other people might consider taking that on too. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, it's been a real beaut. It's been a beaut, man. It's, it's been, been a, <laughs> it's been a real beauty. It's been a real beaut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, any last words? No, no, no. All right. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.